0: And Welcome to another episode of Can You Hear Me? I am Rob Johnson, president of Rob Johnson Communications.
1: And I'm Eileen Rochford, CEO of the marketing and strategy firm The Harbinger Group. The purpose of Can You Hear Me? is to help you guys, our listeners, navigate the complexities of leadership, and specifically through the lens and use of effective communications. So as communicators who work closely with lots and lots of clients our own co-workers, etc. Rob and I, we both know the value in keeping those lines of communication open and the internal breakdowns that can always, in my opinion, occur when that does not happen. Open communication, frankly, it's crucial to the success of every team and every organization. And That's exactly what we're going to discuss today on the show. Keeping colleagues in the loop costs Nothing.
0: And we often talk about Eileen, you know, all the communications, the internal communications between, you know, people that are the bosses and the people that are reporting to them and managers and things of that nature. But this feels a little bit different only because it's just it, this is really about self-awareness. It's not about necessarily major strategy. It's just about having the self-awareness, even with people that are in your employ or people that aren't. And we'll get into the consultant piece, you know, a little bit later, because, you know, communication is the backbone of any successful workplace. So let's give you some perspective first to make the business case for this concept. Many employees believe that ineffective communication is the root cause of workplace failures. Research by the Economist Intelligence Unit shows how poor workplace communication can undermine the performance of a company, leading to 52% say more stress for employees, 44% say failure to complete a project, 31% say low employee morale, 25% say missed performance goals, and and 18% say a loss in sales. So there's plenty of reasons here to be talking about this issue today, Eileen.
1: And I can easily see the 44% that you mentioned the failure to complete projects. That makes so much sense to me, like instantly. You know, you were reading those stats and I thought, well, yeah, that happens more than you like and certainly more than you think. That you know the missing of deadlines and such stems um, so much from uh, whether you're using a project management platform you know, whether you're an in person entity. You know there's fewer and fewer of those these days, but um, the ability to keep your team members up to date on your own personal contribution to that project um, and vice versa that's at the crux of whether or not you can meet a deadline. Right that's a pretty interesting thing
0: yes and there's and there's certain people that may be listening that are very sales centric like you know sales team go you know and so the 18% loss in sales that's also very glaring for people who are trying to, you know, trying to bump up their sales by fractions. And if you think about eighteen uh, percent, say, loss in sales, that's big. So please do those little things, and that won't be the last time that we say that.
1: All right. So when you think about that list that you just read, uh, and you know what they have in common, you know what what's different amongst them. It's clearly not just about the big announcements. It's those everyday little interactions that matter just as much. I mean, let's look at some of that, the low employee morale, you know, just touching base with folks, right? That has a a big impact on how people are feeling. Just a quick call, maybe an email, uh, or even a text if you do that. Slack, whatever platform you use for messaging, that kind of thing. If you go several days without interacting with your folks, how do you think that's going to make someone feel? It's just like when you're in a relationship or, you know a family member, if you're leaving them alone, (laughs) you know, without any care and attention or days or weeks on end, then of course, the relationship's going to devolve, right? Sure. So here's some more data for you. According to North Star Leadership Training, 85% of employees say they are most motivated when they are kept up to date on company news and information. 72% of employees don't understand their organization's business strategies. That's appalling. (laughs) Just between you and me. That's appalling.
0: I'm working. I'm working. I'm working, and I'm. I don't know why. What are we trying to do here?
1: And how am I supposed to contribute toward this outcome that you're wanting? Hmm. Okay, Uh, many employees don't understand their own goals and how their goals link to the company's um, goals. That's also you know central to organizational success. Um, And less than six percent of them communicate goals with employees on a. Daily basis, and finally, only twenty-three percent of CEOs state that they are effective at connecting employee goals with corporate objectives. I wonder what that uh, uh, f- outcome would be if, if we asked, you know, just managers and you know, uh, department leads, uh, h- how many of them think that they are effective at making that connection. That's that would be. I'm very curious to learn that. But
0: do you think that number would be higher? Are lower.
1: I think it would be higher. And I also think that 23% is pretty low. I don't think that's reflecting a lot
0: of self-awareness. No, it isn't, and that's and again, that's what, we, what I was talking about uh, a minute or two ago about. The, we're we're sort of teeing this up with stats that should make sense to everybody, but it really is a self awareness exercise that we're urging everybody to do. So it's not like, all right, we're going to blow up our communications uh, strategy for our company. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when you have a chance. To communicate a little bit, it goes a long, long way in allaying concerns, making sure people are clear on what their objectives are, and really just giving them an extra, a little extra pep in their step. Frankly,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, no doubt about it, the pep in the step for sure. Like I was saying, that whole um, regular interaction cadence, you know, that you want to establish. We're a remote company. You guys have heard us talk about that a lot, listeners. That's uh, that's how it is at the Harbinger Group. Has been for almost twenty years, um, and to have an effective team when you're completely remote, which more and more people are now familiar with, if you don't communicate with everyone every day on some level, certainly as a, a manager or a director, you that trust you know bank um, the deposits in your trust bank will erode, or sorry, not erode, they will diminish. Um, they will you know very quickly be spent, shall we say, and there won't be anything for you to dip into. So I, I always... Um, it's funny. like I have told my team. I've told especially those who are managers. Um, when I first started doing this in a remote capacity long ago at this company, I would actually keep a little tick. And I did this for years. I probably did this for a decade. A little tick list. On my desk of every person's name who was part of our team and our clients. And I would put little hash marks next to them for how often have I communicated with them this week? You know, whether it was back then, it was, you know, largely phone calls, of course, a whole lot of email. Um, And we had lots and lots of in person meetings. But if I hadn't had an interaction with someone for, you know, two days, then that warranted picking up the phone and having a conversation because there's nothing worse than people feeling disconnected, even in a small team, and it's just it it has all kinds of ne- kinds of negative repercussions. Um, so we recently instituted something that I wasn't sure that we would ever do, and I, I know we're going to get to this um, in some of these practical tips we'll talk about in a sec, but I'll just mention it uh, now. The Morning huddle um the daily huddle lots of different companies have them the stand up meeting they take on different forms right but we recently instituted the daily huddle 15 minutes um you know it's there's five six people who are on and that team goes through these are the hot things by priority by person by priority um what are any blockers um, that you know they individually have um and they're flagging the blockers. They're not discussing the blockers. The purpose is never to solve. It's to oh, create awareness. When the team breaks from the huddle, that's when you move into solving mode, and you do that within. We use Asana for project management. So within Asana, that's when you know folks have been following along in the conversation, and maybe they go look up that task, and they start to move kind of um, you know the ball forward, if you will. On uh, taking away the barrier or the hurdle that was flagged during the huddle, but that that that's all it's for. The huddle is just to report on these are my priorities and where what are the things standing in my way. Um, but it does create excellent awareness. It also gets people super focused on. All right, this is the stuff I have to get done, and the sooner I get started on it this morning, the more likelihood I have of my team member being able to contribute in the capacity that I need them to, while we still have this business day in front of us.
0: So a couple of questions or comments. First of all, with the huddle, which I think is a great way to sort of set the tone. Um, oftentimes you hear from people like, gosh, we have too many meetings and this and that and standing meetings and that sort of thing. Do you ever get any pushback or do you ever think about, oh, is that too much? Because it really feels like you're setting the table for the entire day, which I think is a great idea. And you're communicating with people that you, you know you might not normally communicate with on a you know hourly basis or something.
1: Right, and and you know I'm anti-me. Like, that's just, it's which is probably one of the reasons why I resisted the daily huddle for a while. Uh huh. But we had a situation where a key team member was going to be gone on family leave for about 12 weeks. And it it meant that we had to tighten up as the, the those of us who were kind of holding everything together in their absence um, and doing it as to the best of our abilities, so that when they returned, they would walk into a good situation. We owe that to them. It was kind of the mindset that we had. So I thought we need to have huddles, and I've you know I've always been kind of fascinated by the concept, but I also have this like anti meeting you know push pull thing going on in my head. Um, so I read about them as much as I could from different productivity experts, and they consistently they 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 had uh, they all said this: fifteen minutes, no more.
0: Good, get to it.
1: Everyone reports, yeah. And here's the format: my highest priorities for today, in order. What are my um, obstacles? You know that I need to flag. Mm-hmm. That's it. Even to the degree of many said, no chit chat. Like this isn't about warming up the day. Do that in Slack or wherever. But 'Cause you get to it, which is interesting. Life that doesn't also feel that great. Um, but to your point about too many meetings, you know, obviously that's why I was kind of reluctant to institute a, a huddle.
0: Well, you gave it a lot of thought, clearly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think what we've done is we've actually reduced the need for meetings as a consequence or a product of this um, approach, which is very surprising to me. Um, But I I knew there was value in it, but it was a bit of an experiment. Like, let's see how this happens, you know, kind of in a smaller team. And it turns out that people are just getting so squared away at the start of the day and realizing, oh, I haven't been paying attention to that. Or, yeah, it's been five days in a row where I've said I'm going to do that and it's not done now. So, I need to, you know, get with so and so and figure it out so I can remove, you know, these barriers that exist or whatever the case may be. Or for, in my case, you know, I have a very different role um, in this organization. Me being a part of that, I could see how my not having you know, paid attention to something, uh, maybe a new business presentation to the degree that I needed to, you know, the day prior when it was in my workflow was impacting someone. And so I made, you know, I'd make it the first thing I did that day so that they could move forward. Just that's just an example. So but you know, there's there's benefit, I think, in uh in that or people of all you know levels if you will in an organization
0: and let me also say um, while we're talking about asana it works just just when I get on there for purposes of this the can you hear me podcast I think I got like, uh, like fifty emails one afternoon last when week. When all about the tasks are set up, yeah. All the tasks are set, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's so many! Oh my gosh, there's so many!" So it that's works. That's
1: us planning for the year, right there. That's what you got. You got <laughs> exactly. the inundation of the emails that say you have a task.
0: <laughs> Let's get way ahead on this podcast, right? So we have planned pretty far out, and then all of a sudden, it works. It works. Uh, that's I, I can I can definitely uh, you know confirm that. So, this isn't just about the productivity statistics that we've shared with you here. There is a human component that we don't want it to get lost in. And I know hitting you with stats sort of feels like, you know, it's very, you know, quantitative and and tangible and that sort of thing. But imagine being in a position of authority. You're pulled in many different directions. Sound familiar, Eileen? Probably. (laughs) Taking a moment to communicate can actually save time in the long run because misunderstandings are avoided. Miscommunication is avoided. This is also about efficiency. So when we keep our colleagues in the loop, it allows them to focus on the real issues instead of speculating and creating unnecessary stress. Even when the news may not be its best, you are allowing employees to focus on what is real and what is imagined. And I feel so strongly about this because. And I even did like a reel on it on social media last week, because I remember when I first started as a consultant and I would be communicating with a client and they may not be hitting me back right away. And I was like, well, that's not, I'd always been an employee, right? And now I'm a consultant and it's not to diminish the importance of a consultant. It's just to say that a boss has a lot going on or the, the contact at your particular company with your client as it were might be doing other things and so all of a sudden you'd be like well why isn't that person contacting me back and then it's like oh did I do something I mean did I something wrong and all of a sudden you and your thoughts get going and that's wasted energy and what I've learned in almost my five years of doing this I can't believe it's been that long in almost five years I've learned that when they get to you it's never it's never bad. It's never like, oh gosh, I thought it was going to be the, it's, that they are busy and they have other priorities as well. And I respect those. So what I'm suggesting is after all these years of doing it, I don't spend time worrying about things. Now, if somebody doesn't get right back to me, I'm not like, uh-oh, what happened? What went wrong? But that's part of human nature for people. And so I'm trying to share that experience as an entrepreneur with, why didn't they get back to me? And then they finally do and you go, oh, that was nothing. They were just super busy and they had 87 things going on. And and that that took, their, um, took a lot of their attention and energy, so it's just a a little, a little you know bit of advice that I, I wanted to share with people because I, I felt it early on, and I see it happen a lot to people. But it's also it's also an opportunity for the person who is that busy person pulled in all those different directions to maybe find two minutes here, two minutes there, email, text, call, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, okay, we're good. All right.
1: Um, interestingly, I'll share a, a perspective that um, might come, I'll say it's my perspective, not uh, clients per se, but you know, it, I, obviously we have a team here and we have lots of clients. Um, sometimes my input is is really needed on certain projects. But often it's the team kind of running things, but in those moments when my input is going to be you know super helpful in one way or another, I always tell our team, <clears throat> I'm probably one of the most accessible people you know around i meaning if if someone brings it to my attention that I'm an impediment or um, something's changed and you know my attention is needed right you know, right then or in, within a short period of time uh, if if my attention is brought to that, I will. I will immediately get on it and help. You know, in any way that I can. And I think that's the case for so many people who are in kind of you know organizational leader positions. They they want to know if they're not helping. You know, in, in uh, on things that are very important. So the point is, even if you sent one email, even if you sent one text if you know time's ticking away and something is crucial then you 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 are responsible for sending that text and making sure you know they know or that um, slack message whatever the case may be you just it's a two-way street is what i think is what i'm trying to explain and take that initiative and feel you know as responsible for moving the work forward so it's that you know different um up down back and forth you know levels of communication you just got to keep that in mind too it's really important cuz i don't think anybody who's a you know a very responsible good leader would ever want to uh, drop the ball, screw things up, if communication could have helped avoid it.
0: And that's a whole other level of self-awareness that you're bringing up that I hadn't even considered. And it's so important to talk about that, where you have enough self-awareness to say, okay, I'm going to help the situation. But if by chiming in or doing it, am I going to Harm the situation. I mean, that's a whole other that's a whole other discussion. But it all centers around self awareness.
1: Yeah, very good point. Yeah, that reflecting on you know your role in the success and even your communication or in your leadership style. You know, taking that kind of inventory. Um, the more awareness that you have, I think, the more effective you can be in asking for what you need to be able to contribute and other people. You know, doing the same to you. That's that's all. It all comes down to sharing of information amongst each other and making sure that you're communicating about that. That's really good stuff. Absolutely. So are we ready to share some practical tips? I know we did talk about one, that huddle thing is super practical. So I hope everybody um, thinks about that. And we will post some great ideas actually on that note in show notes about running an effective huddle and how you can do that. It is, it's a, It's easy. And I'm now a convert. I'm a fan.
0: And and again, this is no small thing, Eileen, because you were saying, ah, meetings, more meetings. You're like, hmm.
1: Anti-meeting. Yeah. Like I said, though, it ended up meaning we needed fewer, longer meetings in, in the long run. It's kind of an interesting thing. So I bet there's a whole science. If somebody's, someone's done research on this, I'm certain
0: of it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: But okay, some other practical tips. Simple things like your regular check-ins, you know, your one-on ones, um, frequent status updates. Um, Or even uh, just, hey, how you doing? Everything okay today? How you feeling? You know, maybe you heard somebody was sick. You want to just check in and say, "Are you feeling better?"
0: Sometimes that's a loaded question too. The "How you doing?" and somebody's like, "Oh, well, now that you asked." So just be ready. It's it's important to ask, but just remember, somebody might have a really long answer for it. But that's still communicate it though.
1: And it's important to listen. Yes. Absolutely. Because you'll learn something if you take the few minutes and just let them talk for sure. Yeah. Um, but all of that can make a huge difference. And I just mentioned active listening. Let's just be sure everybody knows. Um, it's not just saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, oh, that's okay. And then jumping into your, your work assignment, you know, you're not checking a box when you're asking people how they're you're doing. You're like, right, right.
0: I hear I hear you. I hear you. Because then you're waiting to to chime in with what you want to say.
1: Yeah. That's right. So, because I think that it's important to underscore what's that about, right? We talked, to, or I think I mentioned trust earlier, right? So, when you're asking people how they're doing, again, it's like in any relationship. The dynamics of any relationship require caring, empathizing, listening, sharing. All of that. So um, you got to make sure that you build in some time for those types of exchanges, just as much as the daily huddles that are all about get right to it. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But also, and, and we've talked about this in other podcasts too, it's the safe space thing. It's like you were talking about trust and openness and things of that nature. It's like it's okay to put yourself out there if this is the environment where I'm putting it out there. And so that's that's once you once you telegraph that as the leader and people see it, it's going to be far more collaborative because they're like, "Oh, it's okay if I put myself out there in that way." Mhm. So definitely uh, some food for thought. Now, I also want to share with you and I think it probably goes without saying but I'll say it anyway this principle extends beyond the workplace as well it could be sports it could be business we're talking about business today or even our personal lives the importance of staying connected is universal so for instance in sports a team needs constant communication to perform well so that everyone understands their roles and expectations the same goes for personal relationships keeping each other in the loop strengthens the bond so we talk we're talking about sports and personal here kind of moving off the business uh, case for just a second. But just think about when a coach doesn't communicate with you. Think about when your spouse or your significant other isn't communicating things and you're like, what are they doing? What's going on? And then you start thinking about what, well, I wonder what they're thinking. I wonder, And then you spend all that energy wondering about what might be the case. And again, it rarely is, but it does speak to the need for you to be a better communicator, whether you are that coach, whether you are that spouse, because you don't want people wasting energy wondering about what's going on when something may not even be going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, for
1: sure. You, I was just thinking about um, one of the fun things or ways that um, <clears throat> my family on my husband's side stays connected is, I don't even know now. I think this is like going in four years. So
0: how, however old
1: Wordle is...
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. It's like three, four. Yeah. That was during the pandemic. Wasn't it got really popular? Yeah. I was
1: going to say three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wordle, when it became a thing, um, my family on my husband's side got really into it right away. Like boom. And they love board games. They just love that kind of stuff so much. And someone instantly, I think within like days of them realizing that it was a shared passion created, um, a gigantic group text <laughs> that has every <laughs> single family member in it, um, and it's so active. Like every day, every member of the family is posting. You know their wordle success or maybe not you know but most of the time these are really smart people so they they're great at it uh, but it's so funny but the my Mike, my husband laughs um at me sometimes because i had to silence notification from this really fun group <laughs> chat
0: because sometimes group chats can get out of hands not that this one is i'm just saying some can yes yes
1: yes but i i will say it's a great example of uh you know a means of communication that might seem distracting or sur- perfluous but it's it's not it's this beautiful little thing that makes us all feel somewhat still connected to each other Mm-hmm. it's not always about wordle all the time <laughs>
0: right Of course.
1: um but you know of course i do have to filter it i i have trouble with distraction hey you know that's that's just an affliction that i've had you know basically my entire life so um there are some things that i have to tune out um, uh, but when i dip in and out of this group chat it always you know it just brings a little warm and fuzzy it makes me feel like oh that's cool you know
0: so Wordles not a new thing on the block, right? Are they still doing it and they still do it to this day? Oh yeah. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Everybody, every day. Yeah. It's funny.
0: You know what else? You know what else you're talking about here too with his family, with Mike's family is the shared experience. So it's it's not only staying into con in contact with one another. It's like, oh, you got that in two out of six. I got it in three out of six. Oh man, I thought it was. And so all <laughs> of a sudden you tell these probably stories that don't amount to much, but they kind of do. Even though they're anecdotal and even though they're they may be seemingly, you know, frivolous, but that's just sharing that thing. That's just sharing that experience. And so that that's why that I would say is so important.
1: I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. It feels um nice, especially for us, because we're the only kind of out of state family. So, um, for even for our kids to just, you know, see grandma and grandpa and how'd they do it, Wordle today, you know? <laughs>
0: I love that. I love that. Well,
1: yeah. So I was thinking about sports. I just wanted to ask you, um, cause I know your family, you've, you know, with, with hockey and everything else and your own experience with sports, um, what's any, uh, or any observations that you have about great ways that, um, Teams, you know, you've either been on the sidelines observing or a part of that you've seen. You know, there's great communication in a sports team.
0: Without naming names for the for for the times that people have fallen short, I think there's an old school way to communicate. We've talked about in business all the time, right? And there's an old school way to coach, and it's sort of tough love and you know stiff upper lip and this and that. And I would say that kids don't uh, respond to that. Kids, this. Day and age, don't respond to that sort of tough love. It's not that you need to coddle them. It's just that maybe communicating with them and showing them respect is more important than it used to be. I will mention um, Jaden is committed to the University of Maine and he hopes to go there soon and play hockey. But their head coach, Ben Barr, I've seen him. I saw him coach back in November when we happened to be in Boston. And I always knew this about him, but it was nice to see it again. Like a guy would come off the ice and he'd hit the crossbar. He almost made a great play and he was, whatever. And he He's just sitting there patting him on the head or patting him on the back and kind of doing this like all the little things, like the positive reinforcement. Even when something didn't per se, you know, didn't go well per se, he was he was injecting positivity in everything. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't cost anything. That costs nothing, right? To do that, and it makes everybody feel better about themselves. And of course, if somebody succeeded and did something great, well, gosh, you know, everybody was excited, right? But in those moments where somebody maybe didn't do what he expected to on the ice. Um, this guy's there, just pumping his tires. That's a hockey thing, too. That's a hockey term, pumping his tires, like lifting
1: them up. Oh, that's great!
0: And so I would say that costs nothing. And this guy's built a great program, and they're now like a top five team in the country. And he's building that culture, and it's all built around communicating, being straight up, and and you know, in the moments where, oh, geez, it didn't quite go our way, how do you find something good about it? So that's my observation on that front. So. Since we spend a lot of time uh, in ranks.
1: <laughs> ah, that's good. I really like that. Nice insight. Yeah, on this theme of it, um, you know, costing nothing and the good things you can do. To, and verbal and nonverbal you know you you were just talking about you know nonverbal and, and you know both actually and that's a
0: great reminder too but it spoke volumes even if you were sitting across the rink and you happen to be looking over the nonverbal spoke volumes you can see it from a mile away
1: yeah that's so true oh my gosh we've been watching a whole lot of live college basketball recently as you know and
0: yes you have
1: yeah first time season ticket holder uh for Marquette men's basketball yeah um, but you're, yeah, I, I've paid very close attention to. Shaka Smart and his team's behavior this season too, and I I hear what you're saying loud and clear. His he has lots of concepts, but one of his is um, energy generating behaviors, and I think that is a lot of what um, it's related to what you're just describing with um, the coach and the you know patting on the back and things, um, because that's what these guys do. They're the, the players who are not playing don't really sit on the chairs. They're slapping the floorboards. They're you know pat, wet, whooping it up, pat, patting each other. Jumping jumping up and down like they they're like just as much a part of creating energy um as is the coach as the the five guys on the
0: floor probably the leader probably the coach set that tone
1: he totally did yeah he totally did yeah from the minute he walked in it's um but anyway those those things are really cool too so yeah so someday we'll interview Shaka Smart yeah that's going to happen yeah <laughs> oh yeah do I want that? Maybe in the summer when these guys aren't as busy.
0: I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I was like, this guy is totally locked in until at least April, May. So yeah, I, I was thinking maybe, maybe when he can exhale a little bit. Yeah,
1: I think that would be cool to actually talk to um, both of the coaches we have just um, named and others, just like this concept of coaching and how that transfers into uh, business communications. I think there's such as everybody, you know, it's been books written about it it's for decades, but today it feels different um, in younger um, team sports it's, it's just being done in such a inclusive respectful way and that's why I'm intrigued I want to talk to coaches who are doing that with you know players who
0: are 18 19 20 think about all the executive coaches we have on who've been excellent excellent guests right what if we get you know actual coaches whose teams are at the top of their league or their division, whatever it is. They're, they're high-performing teams, different sports, different whatever. And I think it's fascinating to hear what they have to say because it does go beyond sports. It goes, it, it does speak to sort of the leadership that is required of CEOs who are also running their own teams.
1: Totally. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put it out to our listeners in... Um a LinkedIn poll and ask them what questions do they want to ask of uh, these coaches who we want to bring on and see what we can pull together for a great show. And hopefully um, their availability will line up later this summer. And if not these guys, maybe there are a couple others.
0: Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure there will be. That's a good thing for us to do. That's a great thing to look forward on. I agree.
1: Yeah, that'll be really interesting and a great connection to just how how um, you know the great communications and keeping their folks in the loop totally costs nothing. And how do these guys do it? How do these women do it? We'll find out. It'll be interesting. So I think that's going to do it for another edition of Can You Hear Me? Yeah?
0: Yeah. I think we're good.
1: Am I still Eileen Rochford? I think I am.
0: You still are. uh, I still sound like her. (laughs) 30 minutes later, I think you are. Yes.
1: All right, everybody. So we just talked about the poll and I just want to reinforce that we would love to hear from all of you. So when we put out this content on LinkedIn, please chime in. Tell us what you're liking. Tell us what else you want to hear from us because we have a really robust uh, show content plan for 2024. And we want to be, be sure that we include everything that you want to hear us talk about. So reach out to us, um, of course, on the Can You Hear Me page that is now
0: on LinkedIn. It's awesome. Can You Hear Me podcast. Check it out. And I'm Rob Johnson. We thank you for listening, as always. And if you like this show, please consider giving us a review on any of the platforms where you can find Can You Hear Me. We're talking about Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and much more. Your reviews help other smart folks find our show. Thanks for listening.